What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Angle of Pursuit podcast, your fantasy football, sports betting, and NASCAR home. I am your host, Kyle Robert. You follow me on Twitter at NotoriousKRO. And Brian Twining, without a NASCAR race this week or next, we're able to sneak in some more fantasy football content. So uh, very excited to talk about all the things we're going to talk about today. But uh, we're going to talk running backs. We're going to talk update you on the Rams situation. We're going to talk some other situations that are giving us some ca- cause for pause and uh, whatnot. But I wanted to pick your brain, and I want to ask you this off the top. Which player, as we're rolling towards season, is starting to become a lot more interesting? Or you're like, you know what? I'm going to be leaving a lot more drafts with this guy. Or you've been you know, in best ball or mock drafts or whatever you're doing. Um, do you find yourself being a lot more intrigued by somebody? Because I have a name if you want to think about it. Well, I I mentioned to him on our previous running back show. And that, I mean, the first guy that comes to mind for me is Clyde edwards Solaire. I think I'm going to own him in pretty much as many leagues as I can actually get him in, just knowing the kind of offense that he's playing in. And I think the other guy, you and I were kind of texting about this particular individual, and I've started to see some more like hype videos and this is probably the guy you're going to talk about but that's that's chris carson like who is there in seattle to challenge him for the job and i mean and he's he's shown not that is not the name i thought you were going to go to Woo! um that's interesting because we are going to be talking about some running backs today that are in kind of that I don't know, like 15 to 20 something. I feel like we've, you know, we, we obviously talked DeAndre Swift um, and J.K. Dobbins and obviously Clyde Edwards-Lair were both on board with that, especially at the ADP. Um, but there's a lot of names in there that we kind of just gloss over. We tend to talk about the early guys in our top 12 or guys that are, you know, could be values and we haven't really gone in between. So I wanted to make sure we got into some of those names and, since we're there, let's just do it. Um, Chris Carson is not somebody I find myself gravitating towards, and I don't know why. Um, you know, there's positive news on Rashad Penny, but I mean, death taxes and positive news and about Rashad Penny heading into the season <laughs> seems to be a, a, a thing this you know past few years, and then all of a sudden the season starts and he can't stay on the field, he can't stay healthy. Um, Carson has missed time, and you know, this offense, like this offense as a whole has me, has me puzzled heading into 2021 because the first half it was the Russell Wilson show. And this is finally, they let him go and he's doing all the stuff. And, and then the second half, it's like, Oh yeah, no, this is the Seahawks offense we've always seen. And, um, you know, why is, you know, why, why are they pulling the reins off of Russ and, and feeding Chris Carson is absolutely incredible. Um, two years ago where he ran for 1,230 yards last year, played about half the season, uh, 141 attempts, 681 and five touchdowns. Like when he's on the field, he's awesome, but he's missed time. He's in an offense that I, like, I, I guess, I guess I'm optimistic that they start throwing more and, uh, maybe that's something I shouldn't be doing. 
I yeah, I just look at this team and as much as we want to let Russ cook, they went through that stretch, you know, three of four games from week seven to week 10, where they lost to a bunch of really good teams because they couldn't keep the ball away from those teams offenses. And then you saw what they did over the latter half of the year where they started to get more run heavy. They started to utilize Chris Carson's strengths. They started to keep the ball on the ground to keep that clock moving with that young defense they had. And that's how Seattle won. Now, I know everyone's enamored with what DK offers on the outside, along with Tyler Lockett and the rumors uh, early on in the offseason of Russell Wilson wanting out of Seattle unless they kind of unleash his skills. But this team goes as the running game goes. And Chris Carson, if he can stay on the field for a full 16 games, we're looking at a dude who's going to produce upwards of 1,200 rushing yards. Last year, he yep. matched his his career high in receptions and receiving yards in three less games. So they started to use him in the passing game as well. And I'm just, as we get closer and closer into dra- uh, draft season and the NFL season's coming close, coming near, Chris Carson, for me, is skyrocketing up my my list of guys I want on my team. Yeah, if he's playing 14 or 15 games and seeing the kind of volume we saw in 2018, 2019, this is a guy that has the potential to be 11 to 1200 yards, to be, you know, seven to 10 touchdowns. And then if you, like you mentioned last year, we see that increase in the passing game. Also, this is a guy that has a chance to be in that top five to seven conversation at the position. And he's not being drafted like that. So I get it. Um, there's a ton of upside baked in, but there's also a ton of downside baked in. We also saw last year that, you know, despite playing 12 games, he only saw 141 attempts when he'd seen 247 and 278 the two previous years. Carlos High got involved. Uh, DJ Dallas got involved. I think that was more protecting Carson from himself, knowing the style of runner. Well, right, but that's what I'm wondering. Is there a scenario where the Seahawks go... We want to be good. We want to keep Chris Carson healthy for the playoff run. And they limit his touches. They limit his work and find ways to get him the ball. Maybe, you know, if he sees if he sees a consistent uptick in targets and even if he's seeing 200 touches or 200 attempts instead of 250, you know, I could get there. If he's a thousand yards, but then he's also 40 catches like that could be somebody I'm interested in. But I mean, I, I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, 37 catches last year, 37 the year before. I just I think I don't know. There's I, I hem and haw on him because I just I don't <laughs> know what to do with this. And I, I go back and forth and I like I want to be excited because I see the upside and I see the potential. But I also see the downside and I also see the names in the range that he's going with. And it's just hard for me to get there. Yeah. And I guess another way to look at this too is, I mean, we can't put too much emphasis on this being that this was last season and last year's last year. This is new. But, you know, when you look at his snap percentages on offense, he only got past, he only reached 70% of the offensive snaps once throughout the entire season. And every other game was right around that 50% mark. So that's just kind of an indication of the way that Seattle likes to deploy multiple backs, the way they like to run out of a lot of shotgun formations with, uh, with Russell Wilson back there kind of doing what he does, but they cannot rely on Rashad Penny, whether he's healthy or not. He just can't stay on the field. We don't really know what we're going to get out of him. DJ Dallas. I mean, yeah, he's great for fantasy for maybe one week last, last year, but he's not going to threaten Chris Carson in terms of like usage and stuff like that. And if we see them start to implement him further in the passing game, I just think that kind of 
if he's averaging 65% of the offensive snaps on a weekly basis, then he does he he gets into that top 10 market for the running back position easily. So let me ask you. Obviously, we're going to talk the Rams backfield here in a second. We're going to talk about um, Cam Akers falling out of your top 12. And does is, is, is Chris Carson currently one of the names in your top 12? Chris Carson is... He's right there. I'm I'm having a really difficult time with the with like the last three guys sure. in my top twelve right now. Let's play a little quick uh, name game. This guy or that guy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you're you're on the draft. You're you're drafting. Obviously, um, I'm going to give you a layup here. Chris Carson or Clyde edwards alaire Oh, I'm taking Ceh. See, uh, Cl- Chris Carson <laughs> or Najee Harris. Man, give me Chris Carson. I have a really difficult time trusting the rookies. Chris Carson or Antonio Gibson? Man, I love Antonio Gibson. Because well, the question that I asked you, Brian, he's he's the guy for me. Antonio Gibson is vaulting <laughs> up my rankings. Well, see, um, he, he's already been there for me. So Right. I, yeah, let's see. It, I yes. moved him. All right, Antonio Gibson over Chris Carson, just knowing the way they want to deploy him. I moved him in as as my RB nine right now, um, just behind Zeke, Jonathan Taylor, and Aaron Jones. He was a guy that was kind of in that tier three for me. Um, I, I do worry about um, you know some of the other pieces being involved, especially the the passing game. Um, what's the dude with the dreads that catches all the passes? Oh, uh, totally blanking right now. Gosh, the, the listeners are probably kid, screaming uh, at me. Um, <laughs> he's, he's number forty one last year. Uh, anyways uh yeah, yeah so, ppr monster that's all yes yes um hold on i'll find it this is gonna drive me crazy anyways but yes antonio gibson especially if you look at his uh jd mckissick boom hey, um, boom thank you for everybody screaming at me i remembered <laughs> he's a guy that if you look at his numbers uh, over the second half was was a workhorse a volume monster we expect this offense to be better. We expect Fifth Magic to take it a step forward with McLaurin, with um, Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel. Like I expect this offense to be really good. Logan Paulson, or not Logan Paulson, Logan Thomas. Logan Paulson's another rando tight end. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he's a guy vaulting for me. But he, like for me, this, the, like I would take Gibson over over Carson. It's not relatively close. Um, what about DeAndre Swift? Oh man, as much as I like DeAndre Swift, I just I just don't know what we're gonna see out of this Detroit offense. And yeah, even I mean, I'm, I take, I'm taking Swift, and it's not really close. Um, I know the Jamal Jamal Williams factor is there, and he could be annoying, and especially in the red zone. But the the work in the passing game, I think, is gonna be consistent with um, with Swift, and I think sixty to seventy catches is 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 within his range of outcomes and that's something i can get on board with i'm always going to pound the table for miles sanders i know a lot of people might not go there um and i might look like an idiot because that's that's where my head goes uh what about josh jacobs that no i'm out last year i I was all in on him him and Kenyon Drake are either going 50-50 or some people are going to get in a screaming deal on Josh Jacobs and we're all going to look foolish for not drafting him at his ADP. No, we we were fed the same bull crap last year about Josh Jacobs being utilized in the passing game more when in reality they yeah. basically gave him the same exact 
kind of scheme that deploy him in very minimal opportunities to catch passes. I just yeah. don't think this Raiders team likes him in that role, which is why they went out and got Kenyon Drake. So yeah, like you said, I think this is at best a 60 40 split with Drake seeing the majority of all the passes. All right, la- last one, Chris Carson or David Montgomery. Give me Chris Carson. There's just on a, he he's he, he's on an offense that we're drafting Russell Wilson inside the top five at the position. DK as one of the top wide receivers. Tyler Lockett is a lock for a wide receiver too. And Chris Carson, I mean, how do you not take a guy on this kind of offense that's going to average thirty points a game pretty close yeah. to half the year? So sure, I, but you're also he, talking about an offense that has uh, Allen Robinson, who could be a top five option that we both love. It has Darnell Mooney, who's ready to to take off and be a legit factor. Uh, Cole Komet, you talked about him. Uh, if you missed our late round quarterback and or tight end finds, make sure you go back and check those episodes out. Uh, it's a three episode week. You're welcome. Uh, Cole Komet, somebody I'm, I'm definitely excited about. I like Anthony Miller. And if my boy Justin Fields or your guy, Andy Dalton, however you want to see it, uh, see the field, I, I expect big things. So, yes, will they be Seattle? No. And, and probably Carson's a safer bet from a volume standpoint, but Montgomery could be in a better offense. He could be, he's much like, not like better than the bears <laughs> last year, not better than the Seahawks. Okay. Um, better offense than last year, uh, less competition and doesn't have the health concerns that we've seen with Carson. Granted last year was the big year and t- two years before, he played majority of the game. So if we get, I think if we get 14, 15 games, he'll be, he'll be great. But um, there's enough discussion for me uh, to potentially lean um, David Montgomery. And I don't really love him kind of in general. Like I'd much rather go with Swift or Miles Sanders or even Mike Davis. Yeah. Uh, r- real quick on the full Monty. I was, David Montgomery last year for me was one of my favorite value picks at running back, just kind of going into his second season and then thinking of what the possibility was with him in this bears offense. And we got to kind of see that when Tariq Cohen was out, but if you take away that added uh, receiving down work that Montgomery saw, he had put up a very similar season as he did his previous year where he really wasn't that, that amazing. I mean, we're talking, he saw only five more carries last year. Yes. Uh, almost 120 yards more and he doubled his amount of targets, but is that going to happen with the addition of Damian Williams and the possible return of Tyreek Cohen, you know, after the first couple of weeks that he's taken off the pup list? I don't think so. So for me, Montgomery kind of falls back into that middle tier RB two at best kind of, I mean, floor you're hoping at worst top high end rb3 category just knowing the possibility the the range of outcomes for the bears offense is like this whereas seattle it's you know you you know what you're yeah i guess my concern with montgomery is what do we see is is the player we saw over the last six or so games the player we're gonna get which i love that player because he won me a fantasy championship he was one of the biggest reasons yes um but we also saw inconsistent workload early in the season. Then he saw volume and was just not very productive with it. Um, once again, if the offense takes a step forward, if the offense is better, 
then maybe it's easier for him to find the gaps. This is a guy I loved coming out of Iowa State, and, and notoriously, um, there's the picture that goes around Twitter every so often when he breaks out that everything is a comp to Saquon Barkley, and you know they basically compare him to the best running backs of all time, and he's supposed to be this like <laughs> Frankenstein of amazing running backs, which is always oh, yeah. hilarious. But uh, yeah, I just a guy that I, I it's weird. It's like I get ex- I know I'm excited about a player coming out of college. I like don't see it right away. And then I just completely write them off. And I, that's a horrible trade. I got to get rid of. Um, and I'm also a little bit of a hipster. So like when everybody likes him, I hate him. When everybody hates him, I like him. It's just, I don't, I, I'm not really sure why that is, but this is the world we live in. Uh, yeah. Um, I could, I, I can definitely empathize with that. Cause I'm very similar in that aspect. So let's talk about the Rams situation. Cause I think, you know, we're going to, I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about where Darrell Henderson ends up. Uh, my for me, it's going to be in that that similar range. That's why I think it makes sense to talk about him here. Cam Akers out, done for the year. Uh, Darrell Henderson in as of now, basically your guy. Like there's there's not really a path to someone else being there now. There's going to be names. Obviously, Twitter is great with Adrian Peterson or uh, Todd Gurley or Frank Gore or some other senior citizen that probably won't get run. Um, you know, there's other names like Duke Johnson, maybe, uh, you know, we could talk about, you know, potentially like one of the, the, uh, Steelers guys, Benny Snell, Booger Jr. Uh, maybe, uh, Tampa Bay's like, Hey, Ronald Jones is a guy or Ronald Jones isn't the guy. And they, they, they get rid of one of those guys either way. Let's right now let's work at it with basically Henderson is your guy. Maybe they sign a camp body or somebody who in the fourth quarter could get five carries and fall down. Um, but if Henderson goes into the season kind of the way it is, or they sign some other jabroni that no one's really going to care about, <laughs> what, what are reasonable expectations? Because if you look at last year's numbers, Akers and Henderson basically did the same thing, only Henderson was better, was more effective, and scored more touchdowns. So I'm not really sure like what what we're doing here if if all of a sudden we're going from Akers being a top 10 pick obviously projecting forward and then now that Henderson's coming in. So I guess where are you at with Henderson and what are your expectations for him in the current scenario landscape whatever you want to call it. Well, I mean, I want to lead it off with uh I really hope they sign Adrian Peterson. I would love to see. I would love to see all day running that one cut. It's like seven hundred and six. Like bring <laughs> Gurley in for a feel good thing, and and, no, and let those that. Todd let Gurley. the Rams jerseys go back, and everything will be great. Like I, right. I just like what does that what does that help? What does that do? All it, all it would do is just spell Darrell Henderson. But for me, if if LA does not go out and sign anybody, and Henderson's only competition are two second year guys and Jake funk from Maryland. People will be getting funky with Daryl Henderson in their lineups because you're looking at a team who prior to last year, when they had Todd Gurley, McVeigh had no interest in letting anyone else see the carries out of his backfield. Yeah. He wants a, he wants one guy to carry the load. And if it's Darrell Henderson, we saw, we saw, kind of the talk two years ago when he came in. Everyone right. was enamored with what he could do. They thought that year was the year he was going to take over for Todd Gurley. It didn't happen. They went out and they drafted Cam Akers last year. And both of them, like you said, they produced very, very, very similar numbers. Now with Akers not in the picture, 
this is going to be the Darrell Henderson yeah. show. And I mean, especially right now, his ADP is going to start skyrocketing up the right. board. So if you're in totally. drafts right now, you might want to kind of jump Let ahead. Me, well, I'm going to go over four for four has underdog, um, has underdog ADP and it, it rotates. It's only like four, like basically the last 48 hours. So I'm going to, I'm really curious to see where he's going. Um, I think the other important thing we talk about here, Brian, is um, Malcolm Brown's out of the picture too. He was a guy that was involved oh. a little bit. So that a little even, bit too you know, much split up. Yeah. It split up the pie just enough to make it frustrating. Now my, my quest. So right now he's running back 30 um, going 90th overall after Damian Harris, after Raheem Moster, after, let me see what chase Edmonds. Um, that's before our, uh, before Michael Carter, um, Ronald Jones, Zach Moss. Like if he's in that range, I'm oh. going to have so much Darrell Henderson. <laughs> it's going to be insane. I'm going to have him on a hundred percent of rosters. Cause I'm looking case. at my rankings. I have right now him as RB 25, um, kind of in that range. I feel like I need to vault him though. Like, I feel like I'm too low on him at that point, but then we're talking about, you know, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, David Montgomery, Chris Carson, J.K. Dobbins. I'm probably going to move him above, da- above Dobbins as much as I like Dobbins as a player. Um, the Lamar factor, the Gus Edwards factor, all that stuff. Lack of yeah, receiving I, work. Yeah. Like, I just, I need to move him up. So, um, look, at, this is, this is getting extremely aggressive here, but. And when looking at ADP and stuff like that, I think Darrell Henderson's like ceiling is a lot closer to, I mean, I've, this is going to sound ridiculous, but top five, than it is finishing outside the top 20 at the position. I just think that if he's handed the job and it's his job solely, you're looking at a guy who's getting into an offense with a better quarterback they're likely to just be that much more efficient on offense with the offensive genius and Sean McVay running this system. To me, there is no chance in hell that if he has this job to himself and there's no other competition that he's not finishing inside the top 12 at the position. Yeah. If we get 16 games from Darrell Henderson in this situation, a top 10 and maybe top five finish. I don't think it's yeah. crazy. Now my no. question is, does Sean McVay just hate Darrell Henderson and will be happy <laughs> to sign Adrian Peterson or Todd Gurley or who, some other jabroni that gets, it gets cut and give them 40% of the work or 60% of the work and, and just drive his value into the ground. Cause like we saw, we've seen it. Like he's been there a couple of years. They obviously took acres to basically supplant him. Uh, Henderson saw, had 138 targets, 624 yards, 4.5 yards per carry. Amazing work. Uh, gets tons of work in the passing game. You know, got 24 targets, 159 yards. I'd like to see those numbers rise. But if if that's what we're seeing, if that's the if if we extrapolate that number over 16 games, and you know, 40 percent, you know, give him 70, 80, you know, 75 percent of the work, whatever you want to call it you're talking about a top five running back. Like as much as we love the talents of some other guys, you have to take the situation into, into account when you're looking at a one season sample and that's going to make Henderson soar and make guys like Miles Sanders and JK Dobbins and even Deandre Swift have to go below him. And that's just, that's just the upside. Now, 
you know, we don't want to draft that way because of the question marks and because of the McVeigh factor. And, you know, is there a scenario where, where they're just, they're happy to let Stafford kind of shoulder more of the load and maybe, you know, some of that work that the acres was going to get ends up in Henderson's lap, but also more ends up on the passing game. And they find, you know, cause Robert Woods is a versatile player. They can do a lot of things with a lot of unique ways to keep Cooper cup involved. Um, they, they have a lot of pieces in motion that even if they don't sign a running back, you know, they, they, they don't, he doesn't see, you know, 250 touches basically. Um, so that I, you know, that's what I'm factoring in. But for me, like he should be in that, he should be in that, in that range that we were talking about with David Montgomery, with Chris Carson, with, you know, I'm trying to, um, pull up ADP here. Like. I would take him, you know, Cam Akers was going 13th. I'm guessing that's factoring in a few of the drafts where he's dropped because he was pretty much inside that top 10. Um, This is full PPR, by the way, over on fantasy data is where I'm pulling these numbers. But like, I feel like he should be ahead of the CEH, Dobbins, Carson, Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders group. I Honestly, I would put him right there with CEH in terms of value for this upcoming season if it is his job. Just mm-hmm. like the, I'm, I'm going back to the previous years when McVeigh first took over the job here. And I mean, the first year there, Gurley saw almost 280 carries with the next guy at 63. Yeah. And then the next year in 2018, Gurley at 256, I think it was 256. Right. Tw- 2019, it was Gurley. 223, cut back slightly. I'm a little worried because McVeigh did say he he probably used Gurley a little too much. And that, you know, big part of why his knee is based. I mean, obviously he had injury concerns and issues coming in. But McVeigh did mention, oh, I'm kind of mad at myself for using him quite quite that much. And if that's a reason. But, like, you know, we saw the splits last year. But I think... For me, it felt like it was more of a Malcolm Brown was the secondary piece, and then the first half it was Henderson, the second half it was Acres. I don't feel like there was like a, like a trio of shuffling. I mean, I would I should go back through and kind of re, re refresh myself on the numbers, but um, like I just I feel like if 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 Henderson is the guy, sees seventy percent of the touches in this backfield, even if somebody else is kind of involved, even if it's like Xavier Jones popping. Um, as, as a complimentary piece, you're talking about a top 20 guy at worst and a top five to seven guy at best. Yeah. Okay. So real quick, last season, Aaron Jones had the 10th most carries of all running backs at just 201. Okay. Now to me, 200 will be, I mean, if Daryl Henderson's the only guy there, how is he not going to reach 215, 220, especially with the 17 game schedule this season, placing him right near that top 10 mark for a team that will move the ball. And that was with, um, you know, guys ahead of him were Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, Kenyon Drake all saw more carries than him. And those guys didn't even score inside the top 10 at the position. So now you're looking at a guy who's playing in a top 10 offense, getting 200 plus carries as, you know, yeah. This is a Rams offense that ran almost 400 <laughs> times between Malcolm Brown, Darrell Henderson, and Cam Akers. Now they have one uh, guy. Now they have one guy. Obviously, there will be other people. Obviously, you won't see 400 carries. Um, <laughs> I think it's but- I think it's reasonable to expect 
I mean, 16, 17 carries per game on, on a low end for yeah, Henderson. Yeah, 200 to 250 touches in the ground game and another 40 or so targets is, is kind of what I expect at, at minimum. Um, and we expect this offense to be better. So that means better touches, uh, more red zone more touches, opportunities, more yep. touches with less people in the box trying to slow down the running game. Um, I, I'm very, very bullish on Henderson. Um, and the more we talk, the more I feel like I need to uh, not, shoot him up my rankings. And not release this video until after the season starts. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we're here to help the people, Brian. That's what uh, we do. Yes, but our league mates see so, this. And if, you know what, Brian? If people are going to reach an extra three rounds to go get this guy, we'll be able to get somebody else we really like. I guess. All right. Um, before we get out of here, we're, we're almost to 30 minute mark. We've been going a little long, but that's okay. Let's talk about the bill situation. Cause I was tweeting at you. Yep. That I might get on board with the Zach Moss experience. Um, I don't know that I can do that. I wanted to be excited. I really <laughs> did. I really did. Uh, um, and, and the late, I don't know if you listen to the late round podcast or read uh, JJ Zacharyson's work over at number fire, but he's doing some really good research on ambiguous backfields, backfields that, you know, we as fantasy football uh, analysts and players and whatnot, like we, we make bets, we make predictions and sometimes we're right. Sometimes we're wrong. Oftentimes when you're looking for a breakout, grabbing a running back, the, the, the running back one being drafted. So, you know, it, for example, in San Francisco, Sermon's going ahead of Mostert in most leagues. Sermon would be the bet, that kind of thing. Um, so I wanted to be excited about about Moss. But, like, I, I dug into the uh, numbers, and I looked at kind of the production, and I also got a tweet from our good friend Jared Smola, who uh, provided this information. We talked about it when he was oh, on. Oh, no. Over the last three seasons, a running back carry is worth 0.63 PPR points. Now, if you're talking standard, you know, whatever. But I think anything half or full, you're going to be um, you're gonna be wanting to factor this in. And an RB target is worth 1.544. So basically double. Um, or, you know, actually a little two and a half times, I guess. I, I just don't like if you look at the numbers from last year, Singletary saw 156 attempts where Moss only saw 112. Singletary was more productive, 4.4 to 4.3. Um, you know, didn't score, scored half the touchdowns, but we know we, we know touchdowns kind of uh, shift from year to year. But the more important thing is that Singletary, in a split, saw 50 targets, where Zach Moss only saw 18. The, the passing work is going to be critical. Now, this may this conversation may all be all for naught because they're going to use both these guys not enough to actually be fantasy relevant. <laughs> yeah. uh, Josh Allen is going to get all the rushing touchdowns, and we're banging our head against the table thinking, why aren't either of these guys breaking out? Well, that's just kind of uh, the offense. But this offense has so much potential, should be scoring so many points. Um, Josh Allen keeps rolling You know, with Stephon Diggs, Manny Sanders. Um, you know, Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, whatever. There's so much potential for a running back to be fantasy viable, yet we're, we're doing the song and dance with Singletary and Moss, and I want Singletary to be the guy, and I've been talking about it, and you've been Team Zach Moss, um, but the passing work combined with the more effective, even if just slightly, Devin Singletary, like, I don't know how... 
I don't know how Zach Moss is the bet in this backfield. It's going to take an injury. I mean, gosh forbid, it's going to take an injury to either one of these guys for either yeah. one to kind of get into that fantasy and into raw into lineups. I mean, looking at their ADP from fantasydata.com, you're looking at Zach Moss going 30, going to RB 38, uh, sandwiched by James Connor and Kenyon Drake. And I'd take both of those guys with James Connor maybe seeing the red zone the red zone work with Arizona and then Kenyon Drake seeing the passing down worth with with Las Vegas and then you have AJ Dillon the aforementioned Daryl Henderson which that'll definitely go away Gus Edwards is still behind him Tony Pollard for Dallas I I would even take Latavius Murray and Alexander Madison as handcuffs prior to drafting Zach either Zach Moss or Devin Singletary just with their limited usage in general you, you know at you just can't trust them on a week to week basis. Yeah. I guess it just depends on your, on your draft, right? Like if you draft elite options and you're looking for, for home run hitters that could be game changers, you know, barring an injury or whatnot, maybe you will look at a Tony Pollard and maybe you look at a Gus Edwards. But I think if you're drafting, like I tend to draft with Travis Kelsey and some receivers and kind of working your way that way. And then by like the fifth, fourth fifth sixth round is when you start really looking at running backs i think taking a bet on one of these guys to become the option i think makes a lot of sense like you're looking at ronald jones trey sermon and then the buffalo guys like if you can get a give couple me, of give those... me trey sermon any day oh, yeah, over for sure. either well, of see, these two. yeah but i mean that is that is that's the discussion right like i would take like would you take either the tampa bay guys over the buffalo guys man because we both love I mean, rojo like that's yeah, our dude I, Probably, uh, but we did see Fournette kind of vulture a lot of the touches, especially down the stretch. And then we don't know um, what Gio Bernard is going to offer, but right, no, I'm, another satellite back that's going to be involved. So there goes passing work. So you know, boot, send send Rojo to the Rams, let let him peace, <laughs> and then we're good. But hey, he'd be, uh, he'd be right back at home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. But yeah, it's, just, it's it's a hard bet to make. So I I, I don't know. Like you said, I, I, it's probably going to be a situation where we just pass on both these guys. But like I wanted to make the bet on Zach Moss, and I just I can't. Like he's he's not. I don't think he's super duper talented. I don't think he's super duper athletic, and I don't see a path to him being the vo- the monster in a part in a share role. Like I don't see him getting enough passing work to be to garner. 70% of the touches and evolved. So if I'm taking a bet, it's on Singletary. But as we mentioned, I, I, you know, that that's after I bet on sermon, that's bad after I bet on Ronald Jones. Um, I would take him before David Johnson, before Zach, uh, before James Connor, uh, Kenyon Drake, AJ Dillon, all those guys. Um, but, but it also, yeah, I mean, it would, it would kind of depend on construction roster construction too, but, yeah, I'm I'm betting on upside if I'm betting on running backs in the middle rounds and and Singletary um is kind of that like third or fourth option in that in that chunk. Man, that just sounds so disgusting. Yeah. yeah. I, I really don't know what to do with this backfield. That's, that's what I'm that's like on the, the side this of whole Zach range. Moss, but... This whole range is gross. Like we're talking about the Denver guys. We're talking about Damian Harris, who I think could be really interesting. Um, especially that, you know, Cam Newton prediction you have comes to fruition but doesn't also doesn't catch passes so what do we do with him there um i'm very bullish on chase edmonds he's another guy that's kind of in that like uh, guys i'm going to be really excited about 
Okay, real quick, before we get out of here, I wanted to hit on Chase Edmonds. Uh, with the uh, with the rhetoric being thrown out there by DeAndre Hopkins, how how much of an impact would that make on Arizona offensive players in fantasy if Hopkins were to say sit out? No, no player is gonna not get there. <laughs> they're complaining about missing one game check. They're not gonna sit out the whole season and not get a whole game check. Now, it, it, I I agree, but a lot of these dudes have already made their millions. So I mean, yes, but they also have a lot of stuff that's set up to keep paying bills for. So I, that's true. They, these guys have a limited window, right? They have a ten year window or seven year window, or whatever they can get their hands on. You know, even, until they blow their knee out, or until what well, this, that, and the third. I, I just, I don't like if you're, if you're like, even if you play your prime years and you're amazing and you play a long time, by 35, 36, 37, you're kind of cooked. Unless you're Tom Brady, of course. Well, right. Like, there's always going to be one, you know, an, a, a, an outlier, but like, I, I just don't see that. But if you want to work in this fictional world where DeAndre Hopkins sits <laughs> out the air, Christian Kirk through the roof, um, Rondell Moore through the roof. Chase Edmonds. I, I mean, I'm already on team Chase Edmonds. If more volume goes his way, I'm going to be very excited about that. But this is going to be a very horizontal offense with Christian yeah. Kirk running nine routes and everybody else within five yards of the, like we're going to have like five, nine Kyler Murray throwing to five, nine Rondell Moore. Like they're going to have to work <laughs> something in and it's going to be weird, but. Hey man, um, Wayne Corbett was a was an all pro receiver. At, yes, like, but did he five, play six? with like you know? I don't know. His quarterback wasn't also five nine, and and there's a difference between like Wayne Corbett, who I think was probably closer to five ten, than a guy who's probably actually five eight or five seven listed at five nine. Very um, true. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of chatter there. You know, there's a lot of talk a lot of times before the season starts. And then by the time the season starts, everything's hunky-dory. Like, I, I'm i kind of expecting Aaron Rodgers' situation to be like, remember we talked about Aaron Rodgers retiring? That was funny. Yeah, exactly. He'll be there week one um, for the Packers. I mean. Yeah. So let us know down in the comments which running backs you think we're missing out on, which running backs you think we're crazy to be excited about. Um, I Like I said, I... Fake pigskin is going through a redesign, um, and it's very exciting news, very exciting stuff. Uh, if you've made it this far, congratulations. There will be rankings up on the website. You will be able to see who I like, who I don't like. But, you know, I'm, we're trying to get all that stuff out through the pod to let you guys know. Um, yeah, I think I think we hit on a lot of good names. Oh, uh, Matt Harmon will be joining us yes. um, on Monday. So make sure you check that out. Talking second-year wide receivers. Brain. If you want us to make sure we hit on somebody, uh, make sure you comment below. I will also try and tweet that out. Um, as well as go back and check our late-round quarterbacks, our late-round tight ends. We'll have late-round receivers and late-round running backs coming uh, in the in the short term. Um, but wanted to get some information out. Wanted to talk to Darrell Henderson. Wanted to talk some of the other names that are kind of interesting. And some of the names that we tend to just skip over. Yeah. So, uh, for Brian Twining, I'm Kyle Robert, and we'll talk to you guys next time.